Follow me quickly to the book of Galatians and 1 Peter for just a moment as we begin our message today. Two passages that I think really help prime our hearts and minds to hear from God today. Galatians 6, 1 Peter chapter 5, check this out. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. And all of you, dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. One more time, that last verse. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, the right time. God will lift you up in honor. What an incredible encouragement that we have from God today, that at the right time, he will lift you up. Welcome home. So glad you're here. If you don't know me, my name is David. I am the lead pastor here at Community Life. So excited to be back sharing from the scriptures today. Hey, we've got a bunch of announcements. We'll be uh, listening to those at the very end of the service. And so if you have any questions about what's happening, what's coming up, make sure you stay tuned until the very end of the service. We'll have them there because I'd like to get right into the message, right into the message. If you have your Bibles, follow me quickly to Philippians chapter two. Philippians chapter two, as we continue this conversation about how to live faithful in response to God's faithfulness. And we finished up last week with Pastor Jeff building on this theme, building on this theme of how God calls us and pulls us, urges us into a life where less is more. Less of me, more of him. Less of me, more of Christ. And it was a powerful message, one that challenged us all to take a fresh step of faith. And so if you missed it, I want to encourage you to go back, check it out, listen to it through the podcast, because today I'm actually going to be preaching the sequel to Pastor Jeff's message. This is my Temple of Doom to his Raiders of the Lost Ark. This is my Empire Strikes Back to his Star Wars in a message so brilliantly titled, so amazingly titled, Where Less is More, Part 2. Where less is more, the sequel. But before we get there, as I, was, as I was preparing for today, and as I was praying through this passage, I was brought back to some memories I have from elementary school. And I don't know what your experience was growing up in school. I, I don't know. I know that we have a multi-generational church here. But when I was growing up, I was told by pretty much every teacher that if I just put my mind to it, If I just wanted it bad enough, if I just worked hard enough, I could be whatever I wanted. I could be whatever I wanted. And as a kid, this sounded pretty amazing. You know, the sky's the limit. I heard, David, you could be the president. You could. You could be a brain surgeon, David. You could even be an astronaut. And again, as a kid, I thought, wow, I could go to the moon? I could walk in space and it didn't matter if I was qualified. It didn't matter if I had connections. No, if I wanted it, if I wanted to be it, I could be it. This was the message I heard. 
I grew up in a time where everyone got a blue ribbon for trying. I grew up at a time where everyone was celebrated just for showing up, and we were told that anything is possible. Anything is possible, and not based on skills, not based on talents, but because we were special. Anything was possible because we were special and unique and because we deserved to be happy. I wonder if anyone else watching today has ever experienced something like this, these participation trophies, just for trying. Yeah. And while this perspective, I have to believe, had the best of intentions, and it's rooted, right, in encouragement and and equity and helping kids dream bigger and see beyond their limitations to see what's possible, what it did, even with the best of intentions. What it did, at least in my experience, for a whole lot of kids is create this totally unrealistic attitude, remember that word, an unrealistic attitude of entitlement. It was a distorted belief that we were all living in the center of the universe where anything is available simply because we want it to be. And even though this even though this message did inspire some of us to do great things and work hard, more often than not, I think it produced a generation, a compounding generation of disappointed, narcissistic adolescents with very little work ethic. And for a long time, I was one of those opportunists because why not? Why wouldn't I want what I want when I want it just because I want it? I expected great things for my life simply because of my desire to have them. But, as you can imagine, as you can imagine, the real world slowly caught up to me as I moved beyond my own small bubble of influence. And I began to see that to the outside world, that to the, to the outside world, I, I wasn't all that important to them. And I couldn't just have whatever I wanted just because I wanted it. And the shift for me was pretty uncomfortable, as you could imagine. But I remember the real tipping point. It came from a conversation I had in my late 20s. See, I was working at this church in Minnesota, great church in Minnesota. I was serving with the students, working with the youth group when we all went on this fall retreat. And man, I thought, I thought I was hot stuff, okay? I thought I was amazing. And I was kind of awesome at my job and what I was doing. But I, but I also had this like weird insecurity that was masked with cockiness. Anyway, so we were on this retreat. And I sat down with my boss at the time. And she was amazing. I sat down with her, um, kind of fishing for encouragement, fishing for some of that message I had gotten my whole life, right? Of, hey, you can do whatever you need to do because of you. So I sit down with her, and I, uh, fishing for compliments, I, I said, so, hey, how do you think things are going? Honestly, how do you think things are going? And listen, I knew that things were awesome because the youth group was growing, the worship team was amazing, the space we created was cool and inviting. We, we, were, we were moving in the right direction. Things were good. And so when I was asking her with this false sense of humility, what I, what I really wanted was just to be recognized again for being awesome. 
And I'll never forget what she said. As I sat down with her, we were sitting on this hill looking over a lake in northern Minnesota, absolutely beautiful. And she says to me, she said, David, oh, thanks for asking. She said, David, everything you touch gets better. Everything you invest in improves, David. Wow, but, but you seem to forget sometimes, David. You seem to forget that none of this is, is actually about you. She said, none of this is about you. And, and in the most gracious way possible, she looks at me and she says, David, you need to get over yourself. You need to get over yourself. None of this is about you. And this moment, though exceptionally awkward, as you could imagine, it honestly changed my whole life, sitting on that hill overlooking that lake in northern Minnesota. It transformed my whole life because it was there that my eyes were open to the life of humility that God wants most for his people, a life where less is more. Where less is more, part two. And listen, I know that some of what we're going to be talking about today from the scriptures uh, is going to rub you the wrong way. And I get that because it rubbed me the wrong way. And it rubs us because it's so contradictory to what we've been told our entire life as we've received those participation trophies. And we as people, both in and outside of the church, we want to feel important. We want to feel like we have purpose and meaning to our lives. And so to be here today for you, listening to some guy again talk about humility, when I know that some of you are already reaching for the remote. And I, and I get it, but I think I just need you to listen for a moment because I think there's a misconception here about humility that needs correcting. And Pastor Jeff touched on this last week. There's a misconception that humility and a life of humility is somehow a life of settling for less, that it's somehow a life of settling for less purpose and, and less passion, less identity, less fun, less, less pleasure, less opportunity, a life of never getting what you want. This is the misconception, but I need you to know that a life of less is not the byproduct of humility. A life of less is a byproduct of pride. Humility isn't about your output, what you produce, or your preferences. Humility is all about your perspective, your vision. Humility is all about perspective. It's not resigning to a life of stoic essentials, never getting or experiencing anything other than average, but rather, as we shift this understanding, true humility, if you're taking notes, write this down. True humility is simply the active, willing submission of all you have and all you are and all your favorites and all you love and everything you are and ever will be to lay it all down for the greater mission of revealing God to the world. This is true humility. A life of humility is not one of lesser significance for you. It's just a life of lesser emphasis on you and greater focus on Jesus. And this ultimately is why we are alive. This is why God saved you. And this is what we see from Paul, inspired by the, the Holy Spirit at the top of chapter two, when he said from last week in part one, he said, don't be selfish. Get over yourself. 
Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. And here Paul, he walks up with the mic and he drops it. And he's like, if you belong to Christ, if you confess to be a Christian, if you are one of God's people and you are following Jesus, then verse 5, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. There's that word. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had because it's all about perspective. It's not about performance. It's all about perspective. You must have the same attitude that Christ had. This is the standard definition of humility. The attitude of Christ. Where verse 6, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a servant and was born as a human being. And I think that, honestly, I think it can be so easy for us to forget this essential move from God, this incredible action from God where the only one, the only person in all of human history that had the right to put himself first, the only person who was ever the literal center of the universe, the only person who ever had the right to pursue what he wanted most or indulge in what he thought would bring the greatest pleasure, the only one, Jesus Christ, the only one, abandoned his rights, abandoned his rights and privileges. And on purpose, Jesus stepped into the humble position of a servant. And if that's not wild enough, if that doesn't inspire a greater respect and faith and appreciation in your heart for God, it gets even better because in verse 7 of chapter 2, it says that when he, Jesus, appeared in human form, after he humbled himself, he humbled himself again, verse 8, in obedience to God. In obedience in humility. And it didn't just lead to a lack of luxury. It didn't lead to a life of less rights. No, this obedience was Jesus literally dying to self and living for his father as he died a criminal's death on the cross. Verse 8. Died a criminal's death on the cross. A cross of pain, a cross of humiliation, a cross of separation that shifted the course of all human history and unlocked a new freedom new future of freedom and opportunity for all who believe. And it was all, the scriptures say, it was all for glory. Jesus did all of this. He stepped into human history, became a human being and laid his life down. He did it all to show the world what God is really like. So we might finally understand what it means to be alive in his image, at the very core of our existence as those created in God's name. Jesus modeled through his life, his death, and his resurrection where our value and identity should be found as God's people. Our identity and value must be found at the foot of the cross and in the shadow of the stone that was rolled away. In humble submission, 
and obedience to the greater mission of God. Because as Paul says in Galatians, he says, this is what defines us now. This is what defines us. We're different. We're different because of the cross and the empty grave. He says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I live in this earthly body, but it is Jesus who lives within me. I might live, but it's Christ calling the shots. It's Jesus leading the way. This is Paul in Galatians. And and I think this is where, where some of us, we start to feel a little claustrophobic, like the walls are coming in around us. And we start to buck the system just a little bit because even though we know and even though we believe that this new life that Jesus raised us to, this new life of freedom and opportunity and hope that God has called us to that will exceed anything we can hope or imagine, we we know that it's there and we know what God is doing, yet there's still something in us. There's still something in us, these ghosts from our days before the Lord that sees a life in submission to this, that sees a life in humble submission to God as a life of missing out. Even though we know that the greatest life is with the Lord, there's still something in us that questions if we're missing out, that wonders if if surrendering to God is at odds with what we deserve. I know, like we're like, it's my life. It's my life. I just want to do my thing. This is what we've been told. It's my life. I just want to, do, I want to, I want to control because what, what if God takes stuff away from me and I know that I want what God has for me, but what if he takes away the thing I love the most? And, and we have all these, these questions and it's this tension in our hearts and in our minds, our souls. It's a tension and maybe some of you are in the thick of it even now trying to sort out how you can simultaneously live for God and also for yourself. How you can simultaneously live for God and for self, riding this line. You know it. Riding the line of pride and insecurity like me in my 20s. Always looking for validation for what you do for Jesus instead of who you are to Jesus. And I know, that, I know that some of us are there. I think we've all been there. And if it is you, I just need you to understand quickly. I need you to listen up. I need you to hear me say with all love and compassion, like my boss sitting me down at the hill looking down at the lake. I need you to hear me say, this isn't about you. Get over yourself. This isn't about you. You need to get over yourself. You were made for far more than building your own little kingdom. And you were saved for far greater things than you could ever find on your own. But you'll never find it. You'll never be able to step into your greatest possible end. Ripe with joy and peace and love and kindness, significance, opportunity, satisfaction. You'll never find this life, your greatest possible end until you choose to live a life where less is more. A life of humble submission. Which I know it, it sounds 
Like, I know how backwards that sounds. I know how backwards it sounds, but it's so true. And I think that's what Paul's been trying to drive home in the passage because when we focus on self, when we focus on self, we anchor ourselves to a life and future defined by our own limitations. And I want to say that one more time because this is really important. When you focus on yourself, you are anchoring yourself to a life defined by your own limitations, by your own limitations. But when we humble ourselves before the Lord and actively commit all we are to his dream for the world, we are running in step with the God of unlimited potential. We're running in step with the God who has the power and the vision to turn death to life and crucifixion to resurrection. And this is the life that God wants most for you. And he is calling you into, it's not one of less, it's one where less is more. It's not one of less, but one where less is more. And that's what we see in verse 9 as we wrap up this passage from from Philippians chapter 2. Paul says, Jesus humbled himself in obedience to God. Therefore, verse 9, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names that the name of Jesus every knee should bow and in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. One more time, check that out. Jesus humbled himself in obedience to God. Therefore, God elevated him to the highest place of honor. And listen, I know that we're not Jesus, but this is what God does. This is not a one-off event. No, God takes everything. God takes it all from a life that is humbled in obedience to him, and God multiplies it for his glory. God takes it. God lifts up what's bowed low. Hear me say that. God lifts up what's been bowed low, and that's exactly what we heard in 1 Peter as well, when he says, humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, friends, at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. This is what God does. He lifts up what's bowed low. He lifts up what's bowed low. Listen, we need to. We need to get over ourselves. We need to begin to see that a life of less is not less, but less is more. And when we do, when we start to submit to God, when we start to lay everything we are down before him, we will find the life we've always been looking for, as he always only leads us to our greatest possible And what I love so much about this reality we see from 1 Peter and Galatians and Philippians chapter 2, what I love so much about this reality presented to us through the scriptures is that for God's people, God never expects us to submit or to be or to humble anything other than who we already are. And what I mean by that is God did make you special Just like my fifth grade teacher always said, God made you special. 
But the difference is God didn't make you special or unique for you. God made you special and unique for him. And so you weren't expected by God to be anyone other than you in this life. He made you special. He just needs you to be you in submission to all that he's doing and wherever he's leading. And this means, this is great news, by the way. This means that all the things you care about, all the things you love and are passionate about, your hopes, your dreams, everything, they matter to God and they are significant as long as they are held with open, humble hands to the will of God. And I know that some of you might be hearing this for the first time thinking, wait a second, I thought churchy stuff was only in the church, but I'm here to tell you that your love for music is important to God as long as it's rooted in showing the world what God is like. Your job that you work so hard for, your career aspirations with very few reservations, they matter to God as long as it's in submission to God. Your passion for kids, family, cars, coffee, basketball, makeup tutorials on YouTube. I don't, I don't know what, what, what you care about the most, but they matter to God because God wants to use your life and every part of your life. He wants to use you for the miraculous. He wants to multiply your talents, your skills, your resources, your connections, and do what only he can do. Because a life of humility isn't a life of less. It's a life where less is more. It's not a life of less or a vow of poverty. It's not a commitment to boredom or to being average. No, it's simply a pledge of allegiance. It's life where less is more. It's a shift in perspective and obedient attitude. There it is. It's your attitude. It's your perspective. It's your vision. It's an obedient attitude where you begin to see that every minute of every day contributes to something bigger than you could ever build on your own. And this is what God wants for us and what he is calling us to in Philippians chapter two. But the only way that can happen, the only way that can happen is if we begin to live with open eyes and humble hearts to God's presence in our lives. The only way we can do that is if we choose to live a life like Christ, a life where less is more. Now I'm gonna close in just a minute because I know what it's like watching church from the couch and trying to wrangle kids and brew that extra cup of coffee. I get it, I get it. Some of you are watching on Thursday, some of you are watching on Saturday morning, I don't know. But I just need you to know I need you to know that, that God wants you to step into a life of abundance, not of less. And I don't ever assume that anyone watching is anything like me. But I, but I have to believe that there are some of us watching that still have things we're holding on to a bit too tight. And so I wonder as we close what areas of your life, your story, you still need to surrender to God today. What parts of your life that you believe absolutely define you as a human being, they're at the core of who you are. What are those things that God is asking you not to throw away, not to abandon, but to submit to his glory today? What are those things? 
Because this side of heaven will all live in the tension of self. And I know that some of you, man, you have been torturing yourself for far too long trying to be good enough or go far enough or achieve enough to satisfy the longing in your soul. But you need to know that that when you're going at it with your own strength, you will never be enough. There will never be enough. You will never achieve enough to satisfy the longing for purpose and acceptance God has placed in your heart. You will always feel a sense of emptiness. It is only through a God defined by humble sacrifice, a God who who lifts up what's bowed low. It's only through a God of humble sacrifice that can take your best and multiply it to eternal significance. So even now, what what are those things that you've been holding on to for purpose, that you've been holding on to to define you? What are those things that you've been holding on to a bit too tight that maybe for the first time today you just need to get over because this isn't about you, but it includes you? What are those things that you need to get over before you can step into this new life where less is more? Because listen, moving forward, we're coming out of quarantine in like two weeks. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait for Easter. But moving forward, we have the opportunity to leave some things behind and also carry some things with us. And so moving forward, I I truly believe we must be a church defined not by piety, but by the attitude of Christ. We must be a church Defined by the attitude of Christ, we must be a church that chooses to live where less is more. Less of me, more of you, God. Less of you, less of me, more of you. This is the way of Jesus. There is no other. And so as we close, I just want to encourage you. As we're all making our way through this life together, I just want to encourage you to say out loud or in your heart or to your neighbor or in a text or a Facebook post, whatever it is, I just want to encourage you to say, Jesus, you can have my fill in the blank. Jesus, you can have my family. Use it for your glory. Jesus, you can have my my money that I've been counting on to define me. You can have my money. Use it for your glory. Jesus, you can have my art. You can have my my ministry. You can have my political affiliation. You can have my love for justice. You can have my church history. You can have everything, whatever it is that we have been counting on to define us and bring purpose to our life. Jesus, you can have it all. Use it for your glory. I lay it down before you today. Jesus, you can have it all. Use it for your glory. I am absolutely convinced that this has to be the attitude and heart position of us moving forward as we step into this new season together. Jesus, all I am is yours. You can have it all. I lay it all on the altar before you today. Jesus, we want a life where less is more. One more time from Philippians. Don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. 
Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Verse 4, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too, because you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. This is the way where less is more. This is the way where less is more. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. We're so encouraged by the way you love us and call us into a better way. Jesus, we ask even now that you would open our eyes and soften our hearts to your presence. God, that you would make known in our, in our lives what needs to be handed over or surrendered over to you again. Jesus, we know that you want to take our lives and make much with our story, God, that you want to multiply our talents. You want to multiply everything we are, everything that's humbled down before you. God, you want to elevate up for your glory. And so, Jesus, we ask that you would just give us the courage, even now, to just lay things down, to lay it all down before you, that we might be able to step into a life where less is more in response to your faithfulness. God, that we might be able to live a life where less is more, just like you did when you came from heaven to earth to show us the way. So God, we love you and we thank you. And we ask again that you would just continue to challenge us and pull us into this new way. There is no other. Let us follow you. So it's in your name that we pray and we all said, amen.